Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our weekly podcast we call Ask the Biblical Counselor. My name is Ab Abercrombie. I'm the director of the Biblical Counseling Institute, which is a uh, a counseling and educational ministry committed to the sufficiency and the superiority of God's word as it pertains to all matters of discipleship and counseling and even evangelism within the church. And we really encourage the body of Christ to embrace our scriptural mandate to care for one another and to minister to one another within the context of God's teaching. And so uh, this podcast is committed to that. And we try to take questions each week um, about life and, and, and godliness and, and, and address how the Lord himself through scripture addresses these kinds of issues. We're trying to take our focus away from the world's uh, wisdom and, and put our confidence in the Lord and what he teaches us. And um, this week is no different. We're in the middle of a three-part series uh, discussing depression, uh, particularly depression as it manifests within the body of Christ. It affects believers. Uh, true followers of the Lord can become uh, significantly depressed at times. And uh, we need to find out what the Bible has to say as, uh, uh, as an encouragement, as a comfort, but also as a remedy, as a, as a lasting and freeing uh, remedy for these kinds of struggles. So last week, we looked at some of the symptoms or the evidence of depression as it occurs. And we kind of looked at both the world's version and the biblical uh, description of what depression looks like. But just as a quick reminder, we see that with people who become depressed chronically, that there are prolonged and, and uh, difficult feelings of sadness, uh, profound sadness, sometimes emptiness. There can be a sense of apathy, a loss of desire for even the things that were once found pleasing or pleasurable. Uh, there can be a loss of energy. True physical fatigue um, can be a very common element of depression. People just don't feel the energy or the ability to move forward. There can be disturbances in sleep. Either people sometimes may sleep to excess when they are depressed, <clears throat> or they may have trouble with insomnia and have difficulty uh, waking up at night or being able to go, go back to sleep. Different things can occur that disrupt the sleep cycle. Uh, there can be changes in appetite. Sometimes people eat to excess when they're depressed, gain weight, become even uh, uh, less healthy. And But other times there's no interest in food. They actually push away from even proper levels of nutrition. And the thing about depression is that it's not always quiet. It's not always suppressive. Sometimes it's very agitated. And there can be types of depression that become uh, very heavily laden with anxiety and fear. And, you know, anxiety is exhausting. It just kind of wears a person down over time, spiritually and emotionally. And that anxiety can be a, a very uh, significant part of how people become chronically depressed. Uh, with depression, there can be difficulties uh, that occur in concentration, uh, memory, these kinds of things can become impaired to some degree, depending on the level and uh, the worsening of the depression. Uh, sometimes people become preoccupied with chronic feelings of guilt, shame, and worthlessness. Um, sometimes it's misplaced guilt, even, and sometimes we're applying even uh, correction to ourselves that are, is not merited. Sometimes the, the evaluation of oneself is too critical. It's not biblical. 
uh, and uh, we cannot modify ourselves in the flesh. We need the working of the spirit to make changes in our life. So that type of self-condemnation is not usually fruitful. Um, and finally, depression can be serious and even uh, dangerous. Unfortunately, sometimes when people become depressed for a long enough period with enough intensity, thoughts of suicide can begin to uh, develop, either a wish for death or even a, a thought of taking one's life can become quite a prominent feature of depression. And unfortunately, sometimes people do take action. They have suicide attempts, or sometimes, unfortunately, they even complete suicide. And this happens within the church. This isn't just something that happens outside in the world, but it happens among believers as well and should <clears throat> cause us as, <clears throat> as Christians to have much concern and much uh, compassion for one another because there are a great many things uh, impacting the church today, circumstantial uh, things that are occurring, <clears throat> actions of people, uh, and there's much spiritual attack on the church. All these things factor into the experience of depression that becomes chronic and debilitating. Now, I want to remind you that chronic depression <clears throat> uh, rarely is as simple as uh, having negative feelings. Uh, chronic depression tends to arise instead of longstanding heart issues, root issues that <clears throat> eventually manifest in a chronic sense of depression, uh, feelings like anxiety, uh, excessive worry, certainly the emotion of anger is, is often a, a, a predominant root cause of depression, unforgiveness, uh, bitterness in one's life. Uh, also, unbelief can affect particularly a Christian's view of himself or herself and can affect uh, one's sense of hope, hopefulness about life. And um, of course, other types of sins, particularly sin that becomes secretive or is hidden in the darkness, can manifest eventually in depression as we try to hide from God and from other people the types of things that may be going on in our lives. Certain types of uh, idolatry or immorality can take root in the heart. And if unconfessed and unrepented, they can certainly cause struggle and difficulty emotionally and spiritually in an individual's life. Now, depression is not always due to personal sin, although personal sin can indeed uh, be an element of depression, particularly when it's a hidden sin, prolonged sin, unrepented uh, issues that have not been uh, resolved before the Lord. These eventually will have a negative and wearing effect on the individual. And um, as Christians, you know, we are under the discipline of our Father, our Heavenly Father. And Hebrews 12 makes it very clear that if we are without discipline, then we're illegitimate. So if we stay embedded in any type of sin that is chronic and willful and goes unrepented for a length of time, the Lord's hand will be um, stern, and he will begin to correct us uh, spiritually for the sins that we have undertaken. In Hebrews 12, it says that, that all uh, discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. And that's, a, that's an expression of that, that our emotional state and our sense of well-being can be affected by the Lord's uh, hand upon us as he disciplines and tries to correct us. 
but it also says that uh, uh, it bears fruit of righteousness, that the, the, the outcome of godly discipline is the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so uh, as the Lord intervenes, it is not for punitive reasons only. It's not just to, to hurt us. It is to revive us and to reestablish us. And so whenever sin is a factor in depression, we can be sure that the Lord's hand will be upon us and he will be seeking to affect us toward repentance and toward reestablishing a, a solid uh, movement in, in proper connectedness with Christ without that impediment of the heart that is interfering with my proximity and nearness to the Lord. But other than personal sin, what, what other factors really influence depression? I thought today we'd, we'd brush on a few uh, characters of scripture and their situations to describe some other reasons that depression occurs. Now, there's a great debate in our society from a, a worldly and uh, some would say scientific perspective that depression is primarily endogenous. That is that it is uh, uh, biochemical or organic to an individual. But I have to tell you that the research that, that claims to prove this is not very uh, good. It's not very reliable. We really don't know much about the physicality of depression or the medical uh, nature of depression. And yet people, even in the church, are encouraged re increasingly to take medication for their depression. Well, I'm not going to debate that issue today because that's a, that's a subject all unto itself. But it's important to know that, that within the Bible, depression is never really described as a physical condition, a medical condition needing uh, healing. Instead, it's, it is reported as a heart condition, a struggle, a circumstantial difficulty, a trial, um, persecution. A lot of things contribute to depression, but the Bible never really says that it is a medical condition needing uh, medical treatment. So I think first, as Christians, we have to first, if not exclusively, look to Scripture to try to understand why we are struggling. Why are we caught in this uh, current situation and can't seem to break free of it? What is, uh, what is at the spiritual foundation of my difficulty? Well, of course, we can look at numerous places, and we probably won't get to all of them today. We're going to have another uh, focus on this topic next week. But last week, I mentioned uh, the story of Job, and it, 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 it bears some examination because Job certainly became depressed. And, of course, we can have compassion for Job and relate to him knowing the types of things that he endured. He had a, uh, you know, in 30 seconds of Scripture, like the first chapter of uh, Job, we see this man lose every possession he owned. He went from being the, probably the wealthiest man in his, uh, in, his, in his country to being a man who had nothing. Uh, there even was the death of all 10 of his children. And yet we see that Job very early on accepts the sovereignty of God and gives honor to God in spite of the great suffering that he's endured. Uh, when Job learned that all of his children had been killed and all of his possessions were lost, in chapter 1, verse 20, he, it says that Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. Now, this is a, this is a situation where Job's 
depression that's, that's going to be revealed more throughout the book of Job comes about through a circumstance that he did not create. Job was not injured uh, because of his personal sin. The Bible says he was an upright man. Not a perfect man, we know that, but he was an upright man, pursuant of righteousness. And yet here he stands, having lost everything and his 10 children, and he falls to the ground and worships. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And listen to this. Through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Well, certainly we can agree that that is a godly response to a horrific circumstance. But, you, you know, it's more than circumstance, isn't it? Because God is sovereign. And, of course, in this particular story of Job, we're given more information than we normally would uh, be able to observe. We know that Satan visited God and God gave permission to Satan to cause consequence in Job's life. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And so this was not only circumstantial, it was providential that God appointed to Job a measure of suffering. Now, why does the Lord try us in this manner? Is he trying to catch us in sin? Is he trying to expose our ungodliness? No, I, I think the Lord tests us in this manner to expose his grace and his goodness, to expose his work in his vessels of mercy, as he refers to us in Romans 9. He's trying to show the world that Christians uh, are foundationally different, that we belong to him, that we are his children, and that even under great trials and temptations, we are held by his grip of grace, and we are also sustained uh, by his presence. And we see that demonstration clearly in Job's initial response to all of his loss. But in God's providence, he chose to let the attack of Satan increase, and the attack worsened. He gave Satan access to Job's health. He said, you can do anything to him, just don't take his life. Uh, and his health was destroyed by Satan, and the duress that he felt grew worse and worse. And then he began to get the counsel of his wife and the counsel of, of friends, which only made his situation worse, it seems. Uh, in chapter two, after experiencing this uh, onslaught of physical illness, it says in verse nine, then his wife said to him, said to Job, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity, Job said. And in all of this, once again, it says, Job did not sin with his lips. So even under the increased pressure of the circumstance, the providence of God, allowing Satan yet greater access to Job and causing greater suffering, Job stood firm in his integrity. And indeed, he did not curse God and he did not sin. Now, Often our circumstances are like this, even when it is providentially appointed to us to suffer for a season, for some purpose of God. Um, our endurance, our perseverance will come under greater and greater challenge. And while Job began admirably and uh, stood very uh, confidently, 
he was affected. And even before he began later to uh, proclaim his righteousness, he became somewhat prideful and angry. And certainly he was under great duress. and He began to struggle with questions for God. Uh, but initially, even while suffering, even while the, the onslaught of this physical illness uh, took hold of Job, he maintained his integrity, but he, you could see the, the onslaught of depression, despair beginning to rise in his heart. In chapter three, we can read Job's painful lament. It said afterward, after all these things had occurred, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was born and the night which said a boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God care for it, nor light shine on it. Now, this is a, an example where Job is yet still trusting in God, still seeking after God, but you can see the mounting uh, impression of all of these traumas, uh, the impression that they're having on his life. He is depressed, although not defeated, and he has not surrendered to sin, but you can see by his proclamation, his lament before the Lord, that he is suffering greatly. And, you know, many Christians, we, we certainly are not immune from these type of life events, whether God has directly appointed or whether we've been injured by the sins of other people or circumstances that are not a product of our own uh, sinful actions, the weight of that impact is still great. And emotionally and spiritually, we can become undone. We can become greatly engulfed in the sorrow of everything that is happening. But as Job's, Job cries out, we see a clear description of what depression really looks like. But notice at this point, Job's despair had not turned to bitterness or anger for his creator. Rather, he is only lamenting his condition. He's asking why, and he's, talk, he's describing in very literal terms how desperate he's, he's feeling. But Job's anger with God and the bitterness of self-righteousness comes much later in the trial. We read many, many chapters uh, before we see this begin to emerge in Job's heart as he gets this poor counsel from his friends. His friends tell him repeatedly that your condition is a product of your sin. You have hidden sin. You're not confessing, repenting of your sin. And it's a reminder to us in helping uh, believers who are depressed not to fall into that position. There are a great many things that have an impact upon one's spiritual and physical life, and we don't know definitely that it is sin-related. Certainly, sin is a confounding and primary element of our lives, and it certainly is responsible for the majority of our suffering. But there also are circumstances that God permits, God uh, uh, even provokes in our lives that uh, are not due to personal willful sin. And so we have to be careful when counseling depressed Christians not to take that route of intervention. Job's suffering was providential, it was circumstantial, and the circumstance had come completely by God's providence, the loss of possessions, loss of his children, and now the loss of his health. Now, as Job grew angry, as he struggled, and he began to proclaim his integrity and his righteousness before his friends, 
God eventually had to intervene. Now, this is a good example that our depression, our circumstance begins not because of sin, but we can fall to sin in the process of persevering and coping with the circumstance. For example, someone may lose a loved one, very painful, and, and some period of grief and depression is quite understandable when you've lost a spouse or a child or someone near to you. Um, but if we're not careful spiritually, we can begin to harden. And what began not as a product of sin can become a sinful expression because we can grow unforgiving and bitter, have an anger about these kinds of things about circumstances that we can't understand and explain. And while we lament to the Lord and we put our complaints before the Lord, there's not always a ready answer that comes. And if we aren't careful, what begins in our innocence, we can become guilty of hardening to and expressing in a sinful way. And the Lord then eventually did discipline Job as his child. And he he challenged Job and he said, uh, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He says to Job, and this is Job 38, verses 1 through 4, Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you and you will instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Now, God's intervention to Job's progressing hardness and anger was to remind Job of God's majesty, to remind Job of God's sovereignty as creator and as savior. And he challenged Job to not step beyond his authority to challenge God's decisions, that what had been provoked in Job's life is something that Job would have to come to accept and deal with internally without projecting blame upon God. Now, this confrontation, of course, leads to Job's repentance, which ultimately became his healing uh, impact. In uh, chapter 40, in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Job, again, more confrontation, Will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? Let him who reproves God answer it. But then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am insignificant. What can I reply to you? I lay my hand on my mouth. Once I have spoken and I will not answer, even twice and I will add nothing more. Job 40 verses 1 through 5. So God confronts Job and he re He expresses again his sovereignty over all matters and his righteousness and his right to do what he will with the clay that he has molded. And, you know, this is a reckoning that we all have to come to about the kinds of things that become depressive on our minds and our hearts that lead us to harden and to become angry and challenge the Lord on these kinds of things. As As the Lord disciplined Job, Job was awakened to his insignificance, and he was reminded of the majesty and power and authority of God. 
and this right thinking and this correct orientation began to reestablish Job and to quicken him to repentance and to secure uh, his recovery. Then in Job 42, uh, Job cries out in full godly sorrow. In verse one, it says, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now and I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. That may seem like a hard conclusion to one who suffered so much under the providential hand of God. But as God assigns and as he appoints, we are commissioned to uh, receive and to receive in a godly manner. You know, in uh, 1 Peter 2, it says uh, those who suffer uh, unjustly, who suffer rightly under the, the hand of injustice, will receive favor from the Lord. And so even in our suffering, we are being honed by the Lord. We're being shaped by God. And in his providence, he calls us to godliness and to proper response, even when there are matters that we don't understand. Now, granted, it's hard to receive. I mean, I understand it. I have fallen to it. I understand the vulnerability of the flesh and the mind to become hardened and angry and to push back against the Lord and want an explanation for why these things are happening to me. But the solution God gave was to remind Job <clears throat> of his great authority and majesty and his kindness and his goodness to Job and to call Job into proper position, which allowed Job to be reconnected, to be reestablished with God Almighty so that the help and the resource of God's presence could be upon him. And of course, we know from there that Job was restored to the full, twofold, in fact. So what began as a circumstantial matter, one decided by God outside of Job's view or understanding, quickly hardened into a depressive condition because of Job's suffering and his management of the suffering and his then uh, the bitterness and the uh, self-righteousness as it began to take root in his heart. So when you're dealing with hard things that have the potential to undermine your integrity and your walk as a Christian, you have to be careful not to add sin to that problem. It's easy for us to trip into that territory. I, I, I do understand that. But to be very careful, and we have to help Christians who are under significant duress. Maybe they're in chronic medical illness, or they have a child who is sick, or they've had a financial failing, or, or any other type of life events that the Lord has allowed. Uh, we have to help Christians to uh, remain submitted to the Lord and to honor God in how they live and express themselves going forward so they don't fall away to sin, which only increases their despair, only increases their sense of shame and guilt and accountability before God. God is gracious and kind, and he will help us to recover. He will help us to endure. 
We know from Romans 5 that we're to exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance, um, godly character and godly character hope. And so our perseverance and the training of our nature in that way God does undertake. And sometimes there's a byproduct of depression that can occur that we have to begin to weed out, work out of our system and uproot it and be done with it. Uh, there's so many that we could discuss. We're going to talk about more next week than Job, but certainly we know that King David dealt with depression, and he dealt with depression for different reasons. One, he was uh, under attack constantly in his uh, kingdom. Uh, King Saul, that had been supplanted and the, the kingdom given into to David's hand, pursued David, sought to kill him, wanted him murdered. Uh, he had such uh, toxic jealousy in his heart, and he had he had murderous uh, ideas of wanting to uh, attack David and 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 put him away. And in Psalm fifty nine, we see after several attempts to murder David, that Saul sends assassins to surround his home and wait for David. And in the, in Psalm fifty nine, David cries out to God for protection. He says in uh, verse one, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Let me set me securely on high away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity and save me from men of bloodshed. For behold, they have set an ambush for my life. Fierce men launch an attack against me, not for my transgression nor for my sin, O Lord, For no guilt of mine, they run and set themselves against me. Arouse yourself to help me and see. So depression, we certainly hear the urgency and the, the, the struggle that David is under. But there's a confidence in God that he will secure and rescue and save him from this attack. But again, this is an attack that, that David himself claims is not due to his sin. It is due to the sin of other people. That can be an element of depression. We also know that uh, David's kingdom was attacked by enemies throughout his lifetime. And uh, one of his enemies even became his son, Absalom. And in Psalm 3, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, oh, David prays. He said, oh, Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. So the mocking of David, the challenge of David's uh, reign as king was always under attack. And in, in uh, Psalm 6, we see more of David's despair. We see in verse 6, I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of my adversaries. And then, of course, eventually David's son, Absalom, who was challenging him for the kingdom, died in battle, adding only more to David's grief and despair. In uh, 2 Samuel 18, verse 33, it says the king was deeply moved and went out uh, to his chamber over the gate and wept. And thus he said as he walked, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, 
would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Just a picture of the impact of life circumstances and the sin of other people coming upon an individual like King David. But, you know, David had one other significant episode of depression, and it followed his great sin of adultery with Bathsheba and his sending of Bathsheba's husband into battle to be killed. And we know that the Nathan prophet came, the prophet Nathan came and confronted David and uh, told him a long story after which he proclaimed, you are the man, you're the sinful one, you're the one who has corrupted uh, the truth. And of course, David suffered greatly in the exposure of his sin. So David suffered depression because of circumstance. He suffered because of persecution and the sin of other people. He suffered even the adversity of his son. He, he suffered depression due to grief and loss of his son Absalom. But now in 2 Samuel, uh, David is suffering due to his own sin. That is, even though he is a man after God's own heart, he has fallen to pride and sufficiency. And he gazed upon Bathsheba and he longed for her. And he took her uh, as his own, stole her from her husband, sent her husband to be killed. And the consequences were great upon David's life. He was restored because in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, we see the great repentance of David. We see the godly sorrow that was impressed upon his heart, and he proclaimed his guilt before the Lord. But while he was restored spiritually, he still suffered greatly the consequences of his sin. His, the baby that he had with Bathsheba in sin died. We see him grieving over the loss of that baby. And then we see just the ongoing controversy and struggle throughout the remainder of his life in battle constantly. He returned to the Lord and he became um, zealous for God in, in, in every way, but the ramifications of the sin was great. And so circumstance, providence, uh, sins of other people, but also my sin can indeed provoke depressive situations. Now, real quickly, we have the prophet Elijah, who had a great spiritual victory. He saw hundreds of the prophets of Baal slain uh, at the hand of God. But when his life was threatened by the queen uh, Jezebel, he ran away in fear. And his anxiety and his, his uh, fear led, to him to, led him to a great place of despair. Uh, we know from... Uh, the book of Ruth, we, we learned about uh, Naomi. She had great depression due to the loss of her husband, the loss of her sons, having to return back to her homeland. And she gets to the place where she says, uh, don't uh, refer to me any longer as Naomi, but call me Mara. For the Almighty, he, she says, has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has witnessed against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? Uh, that is in Ruth 1, verses 20 and 21. 
So we see the grief and the despair that came that was in response to circumstances, death. But she became very embittered, very angry. And she was angry with God and she blamed God for her circumstance. So again, the situation was not, did not begin as a result of Naomi's sin, but her sin did take and manifest itself in her life in response to that circumstance. Um, we, uh, we know that Jesus uh, when Jesus was denied by Peter three times before the rooster crowed that Peter had great grief. He had godly sorrow and he wept bitterly in Luke 22, 62. I don't know if, Dave, if uh, Peter was truly depressed, but we see the impact of wrongness, having done wrong. Uh, and of course, after betraying Jesus, we saw Judas take his own life. Having been indwelled by Satan himself, he threw himself um, from a tree with a rope, hanged himself with such force that the Bible says even his entrails fell out onto the ground. Now, so this is a strange presentation of a combination of circumstance, providence, uh, sin of other people, and personal sin that can lead to a depressive situation. So next week, we're going to look more at these situations, look more at the, the answer that God provides for these kinds of things. Uh, but certainly go back and read uh, about many of these characters, you might uh, begin to see yourself in the struggle and begin, begin to be a point of enlightenment for you as we go forward with this discussion of depression. So I'll see you next week. and We'll have a third part of this and try to get now to the solution of scripture that is uh, bountifully supplied uh, in the Bible. Let me pray with you. Father, we just turn to you and thank you again for your word. And we pray that you would help us to understand and guide us, Lord, in all of our dealings with you to be submitted and pure in our orientation. God, help us to receive and to, to take with gladness whatever, uh, Lord, you have appointed. And help us to rid our lives of any sinful uh, impediments or conditions that would cause us to, to fall away from you our great Lord and Savior, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I'll see you next time. God bless you.